And if the adults would turn to the book of Hebrews in the 8th chapter, the book of Hebrews in the 8th chapter, our subject this morning in the adult class, we begin a new series today and we're going to start on heaven, a new series on heaven, Hebrews chapter 8. Look at your neighbor and say heaven. heaven. The title of the message this morning is literal heaven. Literal heaven. Hebrews chapter 8 beginning with verse 1. Does everybody have that this morning? Hebrews 8 verse 1. Now the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. Okay, we're going to add it all up. We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. A minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched and not man. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Wherefore it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law, who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things. As Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle, for see, saith he, that thou make it, make all things according to the pattern showed thee in the mount. Hebrews 22, I'm sorry, Hebrews 12 Verse 22, Hebrews 12, 22, he says this, Hebrews 12, 22, But you are come unto Mount Sion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Lord, we give you praise right now and glory, Lord Jesus. We thank you, God, for this glorious inheritance, this great promise, Father God of heaven. Lord, we lift you up today. We ask, God, that you would speak through us, Father. We thank you, God, for all that you have prepared for us. And everybody said, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We're going to talk to you this morning about literal heaven. We know that there is a spiritual heaven that we reside in right now. But we're going to talk about the literal heaven that we're going to. There's a lot of people today and preachers today who are preaching that heaven is just a condition of life that we're in right now. In the spirit. Now I do believe that we are in the spirit in heaven. But there is a literal place that we're going to. And it's not just a continuation of this life. Thank God for that. Because if you're just a continuation of this life, why do you want to go somewhere else? Just stay down here on the earth. But there is a literal place that we're going to go to someday, which is called heaven. And I'm excited about that. And I'm excited about preaching it to you. 53 books out of the 66 books in the Bible mention heaven specifically. 13 books don't mention heaven specifically. Six in the Old Testament and seven in the New Testament do not mention heaven at all. But all the books of the Bible are in harmony with the teaching that there is a literal heaven that's going to take place 
that we're going to if you're a born-again believer. Now, if you're lost, you're not going to heaven. You're going to the lake of fire. So we'll make sure that we're going to make it to heaven because we don't have anything to do with hell. Jesus did speak more about hell than he did about heaven himself. And uh, maybe that is the reason why a lot of theologians today don't address the subject of heaven. In fact, when you look at theological writings, you're going you're gonna to see that. For approximately every hundred pages written on hell, there's a handful written on heaven. So there hasn't been very much consideration on the subject of heaven given uh, to it by theologians. But we're going to look at it in the Word of God. We're going to learn a lot about heaven, praise God. It is a literal place, not just a spiritual place. The Hebrew word is Shemayim. The Greek word is Ureus, okay? It means to be raised up. It means to be high. So we talk about heaven. You talk about Shemaim Hebrew or Ureus in the Greek. You need to understand also that it's a plural word. It's not a singular word. There's an upper heaven. There's a lower heaven. There's a physical heaven. There's a spiritual heaven. You understand with me so far? It is a plural thing when we come and look at it. Um, there is the atmospheric heaven. That's where the clouds are located. Remember Paul talked about he was caught up in the third heaven? There's the atmosphere heaven. When you talk about heaven, again, it's plural. So we're not just talking about the abode of God. Let's start with the atmospheric heaven. The atmospheric heaven is where what we breathe. And you talk about heaven or space. Spaces or heaven is everywhere that the literal earth is not or some literal object is located. You understand what I'm talking about? It's space. Heaven is a space around the earth. So we need to understand something about it. Number one, that first heaven is the atmosphere that we breathe. It is where the, the birds fly. It's where the planes uh, navigate, etc. You understand what I'm trying to say? The atmospheric heaven. It about, reaches about 20 miles up into the air. That's about as far as the atmospheric heaven goes. And then beyond that, you get into the, the stellar heaven. You get into where the stars and the planets are. That's the second heaven. First heaven, the atmosphere here, and the earth is the abode of man. The second heaven where the stars are located is the headquarters of Satan. Beyond that, there is what is called the third heaven. That is called paradise. That is the headquarters of God. That's where God rules and reigns. That is his abode. Okay, you and me so far. So we've got the atmosphere heaven where man operates we've got the second heaven where the demonic powers have set up their headquarters and then the third heaven above that is where God abides okay you with me so far so you've got three heavens but when you come to the Hebrew there are seven Hebrew words in the Old Testament and if we have time not this morning but as we're teaching on heaven we're going to maybe look at these seven Hebrew words that are connected to heaven what is interesting to me is this. There's seven Hebrew words that are connected to heaven, and some people call them seven levels in the Old Testament. But Paul said he was caught up into the third heaven. Well, in Hebrew theology or Hebrew thinking, the third heaven would be the third location of, of, of individuals or, or inhabited heavens. Okay, so when Paul said he was caught up to the third heaven, he was caught up to the throne room of God, where it is in heaven, inhabited in that ultimate sense. But remember, there is the habitation of demons. 
and then there's the habitation of man. So when he talked about the third heaven, it could be that he was talking about the third location of inhabited beings. Because in the Old Testament, there are seven Hebrew words, and some people call those seven levels of heaven. However you want to look at it, seven equal is the same thing as three in the New Testament. Which it doesn't really surprise me a lot when you come to the Word of God that you would have seven Hebrew words. Hebrew scholars say there's seven levels. But Paul says he was caught up to the third heaven in the New Testament. Because in the New Testament, the third dimension is the same as the seventh. So it doesn't surprise me at all. But we're talking about today a literal place, a literal heaven. Before we do that, let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible tells us about a spiritual heaven. And it is not material. It is, it is not uh, geographical. It is located in the Spirit. Hebrews, Ephesians 2 and verse 6, it says, And hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly in Christ Jesus. So in this passage, we find out that heaven is located in a person. That heaven, heaven is located in Christ Jesus. So he's already raised us up. And we're already sitting together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So heaven is not just a geographical, material, literal place. Heaven is where we are right now in the spirit. And it's not located geographically. It's located spiritually and it's located in Christ. So right now, even though literally I'm not up there in the third heaven with him, spiritually I am. Okay? So going back to the Hebrew word shemaim, or the Greek word ureus, it's simply, it's a plural word. It denotes a spiritual heaven and it denotes a physical heaven. But I'm going to talk to you today about the literal heaven because it's just as real as this building right here. You believe that? That's where we're going. See, God didn't come just to save my spirit. He came to save my body, my soul, and my spirit. If I have a literal body, if it's going to exist forever, this literal body is going to have to live in a literal place somewhere. See? My spirit is already there, but my body is not there yet in the literal place. So 1 Corinthians 15 talks about we're going to receive a spiritual body, a literal body, and that means we're going to have to live in a literal place. We need to preach on a literal heaven. Because if we don't, we'll get so focused on this earth that we think that this is heaven or that this is hell, you know. That there is no literal hell or there is no literal heaven. That this is all hell you'll see or all heaven you'll experience. And if this is all the heaven we're going to experience, then we're going to look at life that way. We're not going to be evangelistic. We're not going to be excited about living for God or serving God or living for God if this is all we have. It's just going out and trying to make the best of life here. But there is a place that we're going to, a literal heaven that we are going to that is so wonderful and beyond your comprehension. When you come to the Word of God, God uses seven words, and I'm not talking about the Hebrew words here. I'm talking about seven words in the Old and New Testament that describe heaven. Okay? Habitation. It's the habitation of God. Watch this. First word, tabernacle. 
Hebrews 8. Look at it again with me. Are y'all with me so far? <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 8 makes reference to this literal heaven and terms that are used in reference to heaven. Hebrews 8, verse 1. Now things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heavens, in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary of the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched and not men. So the first word that we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about the tabernacle that God pitched and not men. See? The earthly tabernacle was a habitation of God on the earth. Moses built that earthly tabernacle. You can see a picture of it right here. Had, had the outer court, holy place, most holy place. Three areas, right? Okay. Moses built that earthly tabernacle to be a pattern of what he saw in the heavens. What he saw in the heavens was the tabernacle that God pitched, not men. So we have God's habitation on the earth called the tabernacle in the Old Testament. But it was just a picture of the habitation of God in the heavens. Moses pitched that one on the earth. God pitched that one in the heavens. Do you understand? So that what Moses did when he made that tabernacle, he made it to, ju to look just exactly like what he saw in the heavens where God dwells. He saw that very thing right there. I believe when you get to heaven, you're going to see a literal golden candlestick, you know, table of showbread, etc. He saw these things, and then he made them on the earth. Okay, say tabernacle. So Hebrews 8 says, there's a tabernacle that God pitched and not men. That's heaven. So heaven is likened to the tabernacle of the Old Testament. In fact, the tabernacle was simply a pattern of what Moses saw in the heavens. Are you with me? Why do you think Moses saw uh, these angels, you know, he taught, uh, in Isaiah chapter 6, they're crying, holy, holy, holy. Why do you think Moses built this Ark of the Covenant with two cherubim facing each other? Possibly four, actually. You could only see from two from this viewpoint, but if you were to see it all the way around, you would see four. But from this viewpoint, you would only see two. But actually, there's four. Where do you think Moses got that? Do you think he just made that up? No, he, was, he saw into the heavens. He saw into the true tabernacle which God pitched in, not man. He saw the cherubim. He saw them cry, holy, holy, holy. He saw them surrounding the throne of God. Are you with me today? That's where he got it. He didn't just make it up. He saw it in the heavens. And he made a pattern of it in the earth. And just as physical and just as material. See, it's not all... You know, spirit, it's not a cloud, it's not all misty, it's not all fog, you know. It is a literal place, just as literal in appearance as that Old Testament tabernacle. God pitched it and then Moses just made a pattern of it on the earth. You with me so far? We have another word in the Bible. Temple. The temple of the Lord. God's temple. When you study the temple, it was more... A permanent structure. But just as you had the literal physical uh, temple on the earth, God says that he inhabits, that there's a temple in heaven. 
that he inhabits a temple. So I'm trying to show you something. That a literal tabernacle, a literal temple is a picture of these sanctuaries, these places of location are a picture of a literal physical heaven. It's real. It's literal, friend. Another word that is used here. He says, a minister of the sanctuary. That is also, that is the innermost place. It would be the holy of holies. That's where God dwells. That's his habitation. He dwells in that third heaven. That holy of holies or the sanctuary. That is his place of dwelling. You with me so far? So there's a sanctuary in the heavens. It's a literal sanctuary. Just like that literal holy of holies that was in the temple or the tabernacle. But it is the sanctuary of God. It's the habitation of God himself. It's where God, Jesus, in bodily existence, God in Jesus is at right now. Okay? It's called the sanctuary. Say amen. amen. The tabernacle, the temple, sanctuary has to do with God's relationship to man. It is God appearing to man. It is God relating to man. God came in the form of Jesus. Amen. Jesus was called the tabernacle of God. But I need to show you this. That was a pattern of Jesus Christ He's the tabernacle of God, but there is a heavenly tabernacle and a heavenly temple. You with me so far? And a heavenly sanctuary. Praise God. Number four, throne. Heaven is called a throne. You with me? The heavens are his throne. The earth is his footstool. Can you imagine that? That is, that, I mean, his leg is so long that the earth is his footstool and the third heaven is his throne. The whole heaven is seen as his throne. So just like you've got a literal Jesus sitting on a literal throne, you have a literal heaven that is there. So the throne is the place of his government. He governs the whole universe from the throne in heaven. That's where he commands everything that goes on in the universe. So the throne, it's called the throne. It is also called glory. Called Glory. Say glory. glory. It is also used as a synonym for God. They lifted up their eyes to heaven. Well, what are you saying when you lift your eyes to heaven? You just lift it up to the sky? No. You're lifting your eyes up to God because he dwells in the heavens. Are you with me so far? Amen. Give God a hand clap of praise. Amen. Number seven. Another thing that heaven is called or referred to, it's referred as a house. House is a residence of, of somebody. And in this case, heaven, the third heaven, is the residence or the abode of God. It's where God lives. It is his home. Jacob, the Bible says, when he was running, he saw a ladder reaching where? To heaven. He saw the Lord standing at the top of the ladder. And what did he say? He said, this is Bethel. This is the house of God. And then later on he said, it's El Bethel, the God of the house of God. In John 14, Jesus said that he was going to go to prepare. A, he said, in my father's house are many mansions or many dwelling places. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. Come on. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will return and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. So heaven is called a house. 
It is the residence of God. It is the abode of God. So just like you have these various terms that refer to heaven, literal places of existence. Heaven is a literal place. It is not just something in the spirit. Give God a hand clap of praise. And I'm excited today to know that. Now go to Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 15. The scripture tells us, verse 15, 21, 15. He that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and the wall thereof. Now, why would you receive a measuring reed if you're not going to measure something that's literal? Why would you be told, God was told, or John was told by God, he said, he had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and the wall thereof. So you have a literal measuring instrument that is going to measure literal walls and literal gates, physical, material. You get it? It is a material heaven. It is a literal heaven. Praise God. Well, some people say, well, I don't believe that because material. What do you get? There, were, there was material before sin ever came into the world. And after sin is dealt with completely, there's still going to be the material. You understand? See? everybody. Some people think, well, you know, a material thing, that, that's sin. No, it's not sin. Material was here before sin. And material will be here after sin. Heaven is a material, literal place with physical, real, literal walls and gates. Material is not sin. Heaven is a place where you can sense something that's real. Okay? Your senses. Well, somebody say, well, I don't believe. And it's not going to be material. Really? Why? Because they equate senses to sensuality. Just because when you get to heaven, it's going to be a material heaven and a, a thing that you can experience with your senses does not mean that it's sensuality or sinful. You're still going to have your senses. You're still going to be able to see. You're still going to be able to touch things, you know. You're still going to have your material capability. You're going to have a spiritual body, yes. But you're going to a literal place that you can experience with your senses. Say amen. amen. Well, I'll answer the question for you if you don't know where that doctrine came from. It came from Gnosticism. Gnosticism taught that Jesus could not have been God come in the flesh. Because the moment that God would have come in flesh, the fact that flesh is material, he would have all automatically become evil. Because they looked at all material as being an evil thing. So as soon as the invisible God enrobed himself in a material, physical body, then they said Jesus could not have been God because that body would have been evil because all material is evil. That's where it came from. All material is not evil. Jesus had five senses. Those senses were not evil. They would have been if he had given them up to sensuality. When you give your senses to sensuality, 
then that becomes evil. But your senses were given to you by God. They're not evil. They're not, they're not wrong in and of themselves. Now, if you go by your senses all the time only and not led by the Spirit, then you get into sensuality. Just what the flesh controls, what the flesh tells you. But I'm trying to show you something. When you get to heaven, you're still going to have the ability to sense and to feel, to touch, etc. Experience the material heaven that you're going to. Give God some praise. <clears throat> so he tells John, he says, take that reed and measure. Measure the walls and measure the gates. Honey, if there's no walls there and there's no gates there, then what in the world are you doing measuring it? How can you measure something that's not material or not physical? Now, let me just let me see a show of hands. How many of y'all believe that you're going to a literal, physical, material heaven that you can experience with your senses? You can see it. Yeah, it's all going to be heightened. Okay. And we'll get into that. And I'm not, listen, these messages are not going to be long. They're probably going to be 30, 40 minutes long. I'm going to let you go. Okay? I just got to get them to sit. Hallelujah. <laughs> See, I'm trying to show you something. That just like you have this earth right here, just like you got an atmosphere heaven with clouds up there, etc. And you got the stars in the second heaven. And you got in the third heaven, you know, I've never been there. Okay? But just as real as this earth is, and just as real as those stars that are up there, the abode of man and the abode of Satan, there is a, a house where God dwells, and it is literal, it is physical. And going back to the temple, just look at that. Isaiah saw, the Bible says, that the post of the door moved. When those carrying the seraphim crying, holy, 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 create glory in that house, the post of the door moved. What are you talking about? I don't think he was talking about that earthly temple. I believe that he was caught up in the spirit and he saw God sitting on that throne. And he saw literal posts and a literal door moving. He saw, come on somebody. And I know that the literal and the material and the physical are, is given to us to teach us spiritual things. But that doesn't mean that there's not going to be the physical and the material that is going to be in heaven. Isaiah saw post move. He saw door, come on somebody. So it's a real, literal, material place that when you and I get there, and as we study this, I'm so excited about it. Man, I want to ask you something in passing. How many of y'all are homesick for heaven? See, you won't be homesick for heaven if all you're living for is now. If this is the only, you know, you're trying to make heaven on earth, praise God. Well, do the best you can. But if, you see, what I'm trying to show you, if there's no glorious heaven, no existence beyond this one that is different from where we are right now, that is so much better and so much greater than what we have right now, even as born-again believers, then why would we want to go there? But we're going to study about this literal, material, physical place that you're going to experience with your senses. And, you know, hallelujah to the Lamb. So it's real. It's literal, praise God. I believe with all my heart. So he says, 2115, take that golden reed and measure the city, the gates thereof, and the wall thereof. Then verse 16, 
He said, now watch this. He gives us literal dimensions. These are not, yeah, I do believe that they have a spiritual teaching, but they are literal dimensions. So he measures this city and he gives us, it's a city, it's a square, it's a sanctuary, it's a most holy place. That most holy place right there, that third place. Are you with me so far? That third place was a, a cube. It was a square, 10 by 10 by 10. The holy, the holy place below the Holy of Holies was 10 by 10 by 20. It wasn't a cube. But John saw this holy city and the holy city, that heavenly Jerusalem, is one big sanctuary. It's one big holy of holies. It's a cube. And he said he measured it. And when he measured it, here's the dimensions. These are literal dimensions with spiritual truth, yes. Oh, yes. The city lies four square. It's a cube. It's a sanctuary. It is the most holy place. And the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. All right, all right. Now as we get into this, I'm going to tell you how big your house is going to be. Woo! Not today. But it will blow your mind when you take those dimensions right. and, and, and determine, you know, if you're talking about billions and billions of people living in that place called the New Jerusalem, the heavenly city, you're, it'll blow your mind how big your house is going to be. There's nothing in this world that you could purchase that could even come close to it. There is no structure. Listen to me. I know some of you have seen large physical structures that men have built. Humongous, huge things. But they are nothing in comparison to this one. Because the dimensions that are given there are somewhere in the neighborhood of a little over 1,400. Come on, somebody. 1,400 miles up, a little over 1,400 miles wide. Come on, somebody. 1,400 miles, a little 40, almost 1,500. This way, this way, and then that way. Not just this way and that way, but that way too. It's a cube. Almost 1,500 miles. Huge. John was told to measure that literal, material, physical city. Now, you're going beyond our ability to do that on the earth. Because if you build a structure over 300 miles this way, 300 miles that way, if you were to build a structure like that, it would automatically become a sphere or a globe. The gravity would pull it into a globe. But we're talking about something that is a supernatural dimension. That is a literal measurement, a, a, a tangible, a material, physical read. Measuring a literal, physical, tangible structure that is not by gravity because there's not going to be gravity there. It is not made into a sphere. It stays a cube. Now, I know some people say it's a sphere. But the Bible tells me it lies four square. See? And they take in the thought, you know, well, all these physical things and the physics and stuff of, of something. But I'm going to tell you something. You're going to a place that's beyond. It's material. It's physical. It's literal. But it goes beyond the limitations of the laws that govern this life. 
it is something so glorious to look forward to, friend. Oh, hallelujah. And I'm going to tell you something. I believe that as we preach on heaven, this literal, material, tangible place, just like all those sanctuaries, those places in the Old Testament, the Bible talks about these terms that are used in reference to God and to heaven, just like they were real. I believe as we preach that, it's going to light a fire of evangelism in you. It's going to cause you to want to live more holy. It's going to excite you to know that you're living for God. It's going to excite you, praise God. Yeah, hallelujah. And it'll get your focus off of just trying, you know, to do something down here for yourself. Just trying to get married or just trying to get educated or, or something like that, you know. You throw all this away for that. No, 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 no. We're going to a place. I'm telling you, I've already looked into this. I've already begun to study this stuff. And I am so excited about it, praise God. Now watch. So he said, oh, you're going to measure that city. And then he talks about he measured the wall thereof. There's a wall around the city, 140 and 4 cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is of the angel. Now, we got that wall there, 144 cubits, and I know that number 144 means is the number of the overcomer, and I know there's spiritual truth in this. But it's a literal wall that he measured 144 cubits. Give God some praise. And the building of the wall, it was jasper. The city was of pure gold, like in the clear glass. Now, come on, somebody. That's real. That's literal. He said he looked at that city. He said, the building of the walls of Jasper, the city was a pure gold like clear glass. He said, the city itself is made out of solid gold, but it's not contaminated. It's not contaminated with any material in the earth realm. It is crystal clear gold. You can see through it. it does, it's pure. If you could find gold in the earth was, that was that level of purity, you would be able to see right through it. God. The whole city, 1,500 miles in either direction and 1,500 miles up, is made out of solid gold, crystal clear. Oh, my. And I'm trying to show you, what I'm trying to emphasize here is that it's literal. It's literal, man. Goodness. Can you imagine walking into a city, a city 1,500 miles square, and it's made out of transparent gold, crystal clear? I mean, you can look. You, ooh. Well, I don't know about that, Pastor. What about my privacy? Hallelujah. Well, you'll be, you'll be traveling in so many different dimensions, you can get private anytime you want to. You won't even really need to worry about privacy there. We'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know, what you think is the highest experience in this world is not even going to be there. It's going to be swallowed up in something that's so much more glorious by way of relationship. Oh, hello, somebody. But it's literal. The Bible said he talked about all these foundations. He said is Jasper, Sapphire, verse 19, the third, Chalcedonia, the fourth, Emerald, the fifth, Sardonx, the sixth, Sardius, the seventh, Chrysolite, the eighth, Beryl, the ninth, the Topaz, the tenth, a Chrysoprasus, uh, the eleventh, the Jacinth, and the twelfth, an Amethyst. Are you with me? And twelve gates were twelve pearls. This is real. This is literal. 
Well, have you ever seen the foundations of anything with made out of that kind of stuff? Woo. Glory to God. The Bible tells us, and the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Now we got gates are made out of solid pearl. Now, I don't know about, can you imagine that? The gate made out of solid pearl? You know, hallelujah. Well, I know that's the spiritual truth of that, but I believe in the literal. And then notice what he says. And the street, doesn't say streets, says street. The street of the city is pure gold. We use asphalt down here. We use rock down here. We use cleachy down here. But in heaven, God uses gold. And it's not streets, plural. It's street, singular. Because that street takes you to God. Takes you to his throne. You know, you might put it this way. All roads, which is only one road there, leads to him. Woo, glory to God. Now, I'm not saying that you'll be limited to the New Jerusalem. You will have access to the heavens, this, the, the starry heavens, and you'll have a access to the atmospheric heaven, but your main dwelling place, church, is going to be the heavenly Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem of God Almighty. Give God some praise. And it's only got one street. You know, praise the Lord. Are you with me still? Look at your neighbor and say, It's literal. Wow. Well, praise God. I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. Here we see now the Bible tells us that God is the temple of that place. Amen. Praise God. Well, that whole, that whole Jerusalem is a cube, a holy place. God is in that temple. And the city had no need of the sun, neither the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it. And the Lamb is the light thereof. Amen. But God does use that earthly temple to explain and demonstrate the heavenly abode of himself. Give God praise. The nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. The kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. The gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. They shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever work of the bombers shall maketh a lie but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. If you have a literal Jesus sitting on a literal throne, then you've got a literal heavenly Jerusalem that he's in. Give God some praise. Now if you go back to 10, 21.10, watch this. He carried me away in the Spirit to a great and high mountain. Yeah, I do believe in the spiritual. You know me, I'm, I love to preach on the spiritual application of these things. But I'm telling you, I believe in a literal mountain. You believe that? A literal mountain. A real mountain. To a great and high mountain, he showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of God, descending out of heaven from God. So the Jerusalem of God is not just heaven. It's descending out of heaven. Are you with me so far? Having the glory of God and her light, was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Had a wall great and high, had twelve gates at the gates, twelve angels, and the names written thereon with the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. Here we go. You know the story, right? We got literal mountains, we got literal gates, we got literal walls here, we got a literal city here. That's where we're headed, praise God. But not even limited to that. Go to 22, verse 1. 
He showed me a pure river. Oh, really? Yeah, he saw a real river. A true, literal, tangible, physical, material river. Come on, somebody. And it was pure. It was clear as crystal. Everything there is pure and clear as crystal. Mm-hmm. That means there's no antichrist there. There's no beast there. There's no one world government there. There's no one world religion there. There's no Babylonian confusion there. It is pure. It is crystal clear. There's no sin there to taint it. There's nothing there. The Bible said in the midst of the street of it, watch this, in the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner fruits and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. So you got trees there. Can you imagine going to that place? You think you go, you know, some of us, we have to travel from Texas to go see something beautiful, you know. We got to travel to Colorado to see those beautiful mountains, see those beautiful rivers flowing down, you know. Are you with me right now? Those beautiful trees. Ooh, we think Colorado's paradise. At least I do. I don't want to live there in the wintertime. That's why I live in Texas. I just vacation in the wintertime. I mean, vacation there in the summertime. I live right here in the wintertime. But we think about how beautiful some of the places on the earth are. And we know that God created this place. He created this earth. And he gave it its beauty. And he gave it its variety. But can you imagine when you get to that literal heaven with literal walls and a literal mountain, a literal, come on somebody, literal gardens and literal trees that are there, the beauty that is going to be there, the fields that are there, the beauty of the grass that are in the field. What is going to be like when we get there? You ask an unbeliever, do you want to go to heaven? Yeah, I want to go to heaven. Why do you want to go to heaven? Because I want to see my, my, the person that died, my, my family member or my friend. You know what? An unbeliever will never say, I want to go to see Jesus. They won't ever say, I want to go to see God. You know what they'll say? I just want to see so-and-so who died. But you ask a believer, why do you want to go to heaven? And that believer will say, I want to see God. I want to see Jesus. And getting to be with my loved ones, getting to be with my friends, that if they were right with God, friend, that's just an added blessing. But my goal is to look upon Him. Now, let me tell you something. I thank God for all this beautiful beauty, this literal, physical beauty that this Bible describes about this heavenly place. But I want to tell you something. When I get to heaven, you know, I'll probably notice that gold city. I'll probably notice that gold street. I'll probably notice the beautiful trees and the crystal clear river flowing there and beautiful gardens that are there. I'll probably notice that. But I want to tell you what's really going to get my attention. I want to see Jesus. I want to look upon his face. The one who saved me by his grace. Because listen to me, if Jesus is not there, then heaven cannot be heaven. But because the Bible says that he's there in that place, that's what's going to make heaven heaven. Come on, all these false religions of the world. You know, most of them believe in heaven of some kind. They believe in a utopia of some kind. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah to the Lamb. But for us, you got to have Jesus for it to be real. 
for it to be a real, come on, Christianity has to have Jesus in it. Are you with me right now? Buddha, Buddhism doesn't have to have Buddha in it for it to be a teaching. But Christianity has to have Jesus in it for it to be a viable faith. You understand? You've got to have Jesus or heaven wouldn't be heaven. That's what I'm looking forward to. Praise God. But the, but the interesting thing is that God's going to make it all beautiful for us. Praise God. I love him today, don't you? And when you talk about heaven, you talk about things that are, what is heaven like? You ever ask yourself, what am I going to do in that literal, physical, material, tangible place? It's so beautiful and so glorious. What am I going to do there? What's it going to be like when I get there? Say amen. amen. Are you all all right? Amen. Do you want to go to heaven? Amen. Are you homesick for heaven? Amen. Praise God. Maybe we haven't heard any preaching on heaven. Hallelujah. I've been raising, you know, raising church. Then I got into truth, got into true church, you know. But very rarely have I ever heard anybody take a series on heaven and just preach on heaven. So that's why the people of God are not so, you know, homesick for heaven. They just kind of like it right here. Praise God. We need to preach on heaven. God has set eternity in your hearts. You'll never be satisfied with just this earth. God's put something in you that's so much bigger than what you'll ever experience here. You can get your degrees, praise God. You can get money, praise God. You can get a relationship, praise God. But there's nothing like heaven. Make sure you get there. Woo. Glory to God. What's it going to be like? It's light and beauty beyond your imagination. Light and beauty beyond your comprehension. Now see, now because we don't preach on heaven a whole lot, people are doing their best not to go there. God. Oh, oh, they died. Praise God they died. If they died in Jesus. Oh yeah, you're going to miss them. And I know you love them. But praise God. They, it is a true statement. They went to a better place. They wouldn't want to come back here. They might, they might need to come back to fulfill their purpose here on the earth. But they wouldn't want to come back here. Come on. Listen, if I die, don't try to raise me up. Don't try to raise me from the dead. You leave me in that coffin. Hallelujah. I don't want you to fast. I don't want you to pray. I don't want you to ask God to raise me out of that coffin. Are you funny? God will send me back if I'm not done here. But don't pray and just say, thank God he went to heaven. Hallelujah. Come on. When a saint that dies in the Lord, when they die in God, we don't get up here, oh, poor brother, poor brother, poor brother, poor sister, oh, look at her, look at her, look at her, oh, poor thing, poor thing, look, they're dead. No, they're not. That's, that's just a body, praise God. And it's going to be resurrected. Hallelujah to the Lamb. When a saint dies in our church, we have wild services. We celebrate. We sing. We worship. We praise. <coughs> Because they're going to a place that is beyond your ability to imagine. 
I have not seen, neither has it entered into the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for those that love him. But he has revealed them to us by his spirit. I know he's revealed it, but your imagination, your mind cannot even begin to comprehend the light that is there and the beauty that is there. We taste it a little bit here every once in a while. We taste heaven right here, but that's all we do is taste it. We haven't seen it yet in its full glory or full light. Woo, hallelujah. <coughs> it's a place where you're going to rest. It's where you're going to rest. Praise God, say rest. What a wonderful experience to be able to rest, right? How many of y'all are looking for a time when you can rest? Go rest in God. But not only are you going to, you know, but you need to get this out of your mind that you're going to float around on clouds up there. With harps. Praise God. Hallelujah. You're going to be floating around in clouds up there. <clears throat> You're going to enter into the eternal rest of God. It is the eternal habitation of the saved. It is where people will live forever and ever and ever and ever. Come on. You can't even put a time frame on it. it it's fullness of time. Billions and billions and trillions and trillions and trillions of years. That's where the righteous are going to dwell forever. It's a place of rest, but it's not just a place of rest. It's a place of service. Revelation 7 tells us that they serve God. We're going to serve God. Listen to me. It is not a place where there's no activity. Yeah, your loved ones that have gone before you, if they were right with God, they are resting. They've entered into their rest. But they're not just resting. They're active right now. They're active serving. Yeah, I know they don't have their bodies yet, to some of them, but they got the spirit. They're serving God. You need to understand, you're not just going to rest there. Who wants to sleep all the time? Who wants to be in a perpetual non-activity, never doing anything? You know, I know some of us think that might be pretty cool, but it really, you'll get tired of that after a billion years. Hallelujah. And then after a billion years, you get up and say, I want something to do. I've got to get active, praise God. So heaven is not going to just be a place of rest. It's going to be a place of activity. Your loved ones right now in the spirit, they're, they're, come on somebody, they're resting, yes, but they are active right this very minute in serving God. Give God some praise. Well, how, how are they serving God? Well, they're experiencing that beautiful and that light, you know, and they're, they're resting, but they're serving God active at the same time, praise God. How are they doing this? Some people have this idea that when you get to heaven, all you're going to do is worship 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Oh, come on. So they say, I don't want to go to heaven. That's all we're going to do, just stand up there and just worship God. No, 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 no. That's not all you're going to do. Hallelujah. You're not going to stand up there just for, you know, forever, forever, just worshiping God. Come on. That's going to be part of it, yes. But you can, you come on, praise God. You're going to be ruling. You're going to be ruling his creation. And the level of your authority, the level of your rulership depends on how you served him here down here. If you've been faithful serving God down here, he's going to make you ruler over much. He might put you over five cities, maybe over ten cities, but you're going to have a position of authority and rulership and service in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah to the Lamb. And yes, we're going to worship God, but we're going to still be active, involved, doing something. Some people think, you know, service is just, just 
forever and ever a, a church service. My goodness, I can't even keep you occupied for an hour and a half. You get tired, you're ready to go home after two hours, praise God. What in the world are you talking about having a one, once and for always and forever a church service? Are you funny? You're bored right now after two hours. What are you going to do when you get in heaven? That's all you do, just going to have a church service. Hallelujah. It's more than that, my friend. It's a place of service. It's also a place of joy. Jesus said in John 17, he said he came to give you his joy, that his joy might be full in us. Right down here, right now, God wants you to walk in the fullness of his joy. But when you get to heaven, come on somebody, it's going to be perpetual joy. Praise God. God's awesome, isn't he? Praise God. We got some misconceptions about this. We're going to enjoy God. We're going to enjoy each other. We're going to enjoy, you know, hey, praise God, you know, God, whatever God's assignment is, I don't know what his assignment is going to be for you if it's in the New Jerusalem, but I tell you what, you're not going to be limited to the New Jerusalem. And you going how many of y'all ever wanted to travel? I don't know, is Pluto a real planet anymore? <laughs> you know, from time to time, the scientists say, well, we used to think there was a planet, but now we say there's no planet there. So I don't know, I don't know if Pluto is a real planet anymore. Maybe it is, hallelujah, praise God. The signs are going to change it probably. But hallelujah, I think there's a Jupiter, praise the Lord. And how many of y'all would like to just, just one day just travel over to Jupiter? Praise God. Just go check out Jupiter, you know. Hallelujah. Maybe go to Mars. How many of y'all like, come on somebody, space, space exploration? Oh, hallelujah, man. I want to travel, praise the Lord. I like to travel. You know, and as we get into this, we'll talk about travel. What, what travel's going to be like when you get there. It's going to blow your mind about how you go to travel. Hallelujah. And I'm looking forward to the time. Yeah, I love worship God and be involved in serving the Lord, you know. And He's the ultimate goal of the whole thing. But to be able to travel and experience His creation, hallelujah. God is an awesome God. We're also going to have relationships in heaven. Let's go. To Hebrews 12. Hallelujah. Now, see if I preach this, maybe some of you want to go. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth, man. Come on. I already told my wife. They diagnosed me with some kind of, you know, deadly disease when I'm about 70 years old. Don't take me to the doctor. Don't put me in a hospital somewhere to go through tests. I, I don't want to be, a, you know, a, a laboratory mice. Come on. Hallelujah. God can heal me if he don't heal me. Just let me go to glory. Let me go to that literal physical place. I'm not trying to stop from going there. I'm not trying to not go there. I'm looking forward to it. And if it's by way of death or if it's by way of rapture, either way, it doesn't really matter to me. But that is the ultimate, my friend. I'm, try I'm not trying to stop from going there. I just want to make sure I'm ready when I die to go there. That's what I'm after. That's what I want. And I want to serve God faithfully down here. Because it will affect my whole eternity. Everything in the future is depending on what I do right now and my relationship to God, my service. Oh, are you with me right now? I'm looking forward to that. See, hallelujah. You, oh, poor brother. 
He gonna die. Really? Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. I know, that, I know you think that's strange, and I know you think that's odd, but I believe in that Bible. I believe in that word, my friend. Oh, come on, somebody. I know it's a scary thing, and I know it's not a natural thing for man to die. We weren't created to die. But I'm going to tell you something. That's just the gate that leads you into a, a, a literal, physical, heavenly place. Come on. Now, and I believe that God wants to heal us. I do. I believe that God can raise people from the dead. I do. But praise the Lord. we got to get it out of our mind that we want to just stay down here because we don't want to go there because we're worried about being bored. I'm not going to be bored. It's going to be awesome, man. Let's go over here. Let's look at Hebrews 12. And we're going to see. Hebrews 12, the Bible tells us the people that are going to be there. Going to have relationships in heaven. You're going to be married to Jesus ultimately. But when you get to that dwelling place of God... When you get there, there are all kinds of people that are going to be there. Old Testament saints are going to be there. Woo, glory to God. Watch. Hebrews 12, 22. He said, you're coming to Mount Zion of the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. Well, number one, it's the city of the living God. So it's where God dwells. Hallelujah. That's the most important thing. You're going to go to the place that God literally and physically dwells. His name is Jesus. Come on. Going to have a relationship with Him. We're going to be married to Christ. Somebody said, well, I'm going to be married to my wife when I get there. Here's the good news. No, you won't. <laughs> oh, no. Forgive me. Am I going to be married to Him when I get to heaven? No. Oh, I want to go then. Praise the Lord. I'm ready. Pack me up right now. Send me now. I don't have to be married to him or her. I'm ready to go right now. Praise God. <laughs> I'll tell you, it's so funny. You know, people, they, they work so hard to get married. And then when they get married, they work so hard to get unmarried. Hallelujah. I mean, which is it? Do you, uh, <laughs> is it good to be married or good not to be married? Tell me which one. I'm going to tell you, you work so hard. i got to find somebody. I'm going to die. i don't find somebody. Oh, oh, I wish I could get rid of him, Pastor God. Would you pray for me? <laughs> See, we don't even have we don't have a perception of really what we need. <laughs> you know, we think we need that, then we get that, and we say, "No, I don't want that. I wish I didn't have that." You know, praise God. <laughs> when you get to heaven, now what am I what am I telling you right now? Come on, it's going to be greater than that. Relationships. Well, let me let me show you. God's going to be there. The Bible said angels are going to be there. Can you imagine? And I know in the spirit that we rub, rub shoulders with angels in the spirit. You feel them from time to time because we've tasted heaven. And we've tasted of the, the world to come. The powers of the world to come. And we know that. with a You know when an angel touches you. You know God. Oh, there's angels right here. You can't see them right now. They're sitting in these pews right now. You can't see them. But if you were to just put your arm, you just put your arm through an angel. They are everywhere. Are you with me? But there's going to come a time. You're going to get to see them. You're going to get to experience them with your senses. You're going to walk with angels. You'll get to see Gabriel. You'll get to see Michael. Come on. You know. And I mean, I read some books. They got names. You would, uh, I mean, name after name after name after angel. You know, I don't read about them in the Bible, but they got names for them. Hallelujah. Raphael, you know. 
I don't know if Raphael's up there or not, praise God. But I do know Gabriel's there, praise the Lord. Some of y'all want to see Raphael? Well, hallelujah, I can't promise. But I can tell you, Gabriel's there. And I can tell you that Michael is there. And I can tell you there's a heavenly host without number that is there. Come on, somebody. I can tell you that there are cherubim that are there. I can tell you that there are seraphim that are there. Come on, somebody. Some of them got four wings below the throne. And then we got some of them that got six wings around the throne. The seraphim around the throne. The cherubim underneath the throne. And then you got a heavenly host around them. But around that, the 24 angels, or 24 elders around that throne. Oh, friend, you've got all kinds of activity and relationships. You've got God, you've got angels. Oh, hello. And you don't want to go. Hallelujah. I want to go. How about you? Oh, this makes me homesick for heaven. It makes me put my vision and my focus in the right place. Hallelujah to the Lamb. I'm not going to get down and discouraged when I've got such a glorious inheritance that has promised me. Is my 45 minutes up yet? I'm almost done. He said, not only is God there, the angels there, he said, but the general assembly and church of the firstborn. Say amen. amen. Praise God, the church is going to be there. Thank God you're going to be glorified. Thank God pastor's not going to be preaching to you anymore. <laughs> Thank God pastor's going to be glorified. Thank God the saints are going to be glorified. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, you might as well just get ready right now. You're going to live with these, some of these people you're looking at right now forever and forever and ever. You're saying, but I want my privacy. Well, hallelujah, no problem. Have to get through rubbing shoulders with each other for a billion years and just go off into another dimension. If you want to be private, you can. Amen. What's so awesome is that, you know what, if I walk up to brother right now and we got some kind of issue going on here, he got a problem with me and I got a problem with him, then when he starts walking towards me, I feel uncomfortable. I don't want him. Oh, here he comes, you know, but not in heaven. You're going to see people coming towards you and there's not going to be any kind of feeling. There's not going to be a feeling of inhib inhibition. There's not going to be a feeling that you don't want to do everything you do with that person. Come on, somebody. It is a relationship. It's a, it's a level of relationship that you have not even a comprehension. You don't even understand it. Everybody you see, there's not going to be anything working in you or them that's going to violate that relationship. Just pure joy. Now, I didn't say, brother, and I have a problem. I'm just telling you, you know, in this life, you ever get, you see people say, oh, ooh. Yeah. 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 I'm afraid of them. I don't know about to think about them, you know, I'm afraid of them, you know. Not in heaven, it's not going to be there. Relationships are going to be so glorious, hallelujah. I'm talking about the church. You know, and some people say, well, pastor, why do you talk about the church like you do? Well, I live in the real world right here. Praise God, it's a real world for me, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm looking for a time when all that mess is gone. All that division is gone. All that fussing is gone. All that fighting is gone. So I can't wait to see everybody when I get there. Sit <laughs> of running around the corner and say, oh, there's so-and-so. Oh, go hide. Families in town. Get in the car, go to the mall for a day. Oh, yeah, I know. You love your family. But it's not going to be like that in heaven. 
But the church is going to be there. But not just the church. The Bible tells us also, praise God. <clears throat> he said, the judge of all, that to God the judge of all, and the spirits of just men made perfect. There's going to be some people that are there called the just men made perfect. You're going to get to rub shoulders with Old Testament saints. Hallelujah. See, I don't just pocket, you know, that just the church in the New Jerusalem. I believe that there's going to be some Old Testament saints that are going to be there. Praise God in the name of Jesus. Some of you are going to get to see, I know this for sure, some of you are going to get to see Paul because he's in the church. You're going to see Timothy. Praise God. Get to see Peter. Get to see John, the revelator, they call him. Hallelujah. Woo. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, but no Judas. He won't be there. Praise God. Give God some praise. You're going to see Titus. Oh, what a wonder. Are y'all looking forward to that? Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm, I'm going to keep my... I'd like to go somewhere, but I'm not. <laughs> but can you imagine Old Testament saints too? Like Abraham. You're going to sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom. Going to get to see Abraham. Oh, that's neat. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, yeah, relationships. I'm talking about relationships here. You're going to get to see them. You know who I want to see? I want to see some of those prophets. I want to see. I want to see what Jeremiah looked like. I want to see what Isaiah looked like. I want to see what Daniel looked like. Hosea, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nehemiah, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Isaiah. I want to see those prophets. I want to, what did they look like? What kind of men were they? I want to rub shoulders with them. I want to get with them and say, hey, will you explain your book to me? I studied it, but I didn't understand the word I studied. Oh, that leads me to another thing. Another thing you're going to be doing in heaven is not just having a joy relationship, but you're going to have knowledge. But it's not going to be osmosis. When you get to heaven, you're just not going to automatically know everything. You're not going to become God when you go to heaven. Oh, now you know everything. No, you're not going to know everything when you get to heaven. You're going to, your knowledge is going to be on a higher level. You're going to have the answers to all of earth's puzzles in heaven. Your knowledge will grow and increase while you're there. Come on, somebody. The questions you got about why what is happening to you down here is going to be answered there. Your knowledge is going to be increased. But it's going to be an ever-increasing knowledge, not osmosis, where you know everything as soon as you get there. So when I get there, I had, see, I had to get rid of some of that false thinking that we have. When I get there, I'm going to say, hey, Zachariah, go in the deep things with me on there. Hosea, talk to me, man. I know I didn't see everything that was in your writing. Tell me what you wrote. Hallelujah. I want to know more. Somebody say amen. Praise God. Woo. Hallelujah to the Lamb. (coughs) Are y'all like that? It's a place of relationship. Woo. Glory to God. Beautiful. And all, let me don't forget, I can't forget those deceased loved ones that have gone on before you. Your mama, your dad. Your grandpa, your grandma, they were right with God. Your brother, your sister, your son, your daughter. It's already gone. It's preceded you in death. It's already gone before you. There's going to be a great, great day when you reconcile, when you begin to see them. Come on, there's going to be a rejoin. There's going to be a great family reunion over there for those who knew God. That's why you've got to make, see, I'm, I've got to make sure that I go. Number one, because I want to see God and I want to be saved, of course. But there's some people up there that I walk with in this earth, in this lifetime, that I want to see again. I want to see the older brother Smelser. 
I want to see Elder Brother Dice. I want to see him. I want to talk to him, praise God. I've got to make it. Can you imagine if I went to hell, I don't get to see them anymore. Come on, give God some praise. <clears throat> I want to see him. I want to see him. How many of y'all want to see him? Praise God. You're going to get to there, okay? Now, talk about your husband and your wife. What that going to be like, praise the Lord. Well, it's going to be on a higher level than it is here. Okay? But it's not just going to be limited to one person. You're not going to be limited just to one person. I won't be limited to one person, nor my wife limited to, my, to me only. There's going to be a relationship with everybody. There's going to be a, such a high relationship. You got to hear me. Oh, praise God. Ultimately, we're married to Jesus. But then we are part of the bride of Christ corporately come on somebody he's the one we're joined to and yes we're a part of the family and yes we have relationships but I want to tell you something the relationship we have is on a higher level than just this earthly one here Jesus said we're like the angels in heaven praise God some people say well when I get to heaven am I going to ha- get to have uh, uh, intimacy hallelujah okay now I'm going to touch on a touchy subject y'all you know all you people are worried about that hallelujah you say, oh, I just, you know, I can't live without that. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. I don't want to tell you because when you get there, it's not going to be there. <laughs> because you fail to understand something. Intimacy is not just physical. Intimacy is based on relationship. That physical just flows out of relationship. A lot of people get the horse before the cart. Or is it the cart before the horse? Whatever. They focus on the physical and then try to build a relationship. No, you got to build a relationship. Body, soul, and spirit. A level of intimacy is not just body-wise. It is soul and it is spirit. So when you get to heaven, come on. You don't even have, you're not even going to need that. Oh, help me, Lord. Some of you don't need it right now. Praise God. Next time, just look at your husband and say, I can't wait to get to heaven. Ooh. Oh, see, i got to be careful here. In the moment of your intimacy, in your relationship with your husband and your wife, and they start screaming, heaven, heaven, heaven. You know what they're talking about. They can't wait to get there. <laughs> it's not what you thought they were saying. They were saying, I can't wait to go. They're praying for heaven to come. <laughs> So intimacy is going to be on a, on a much higher level. It is spirit, soul. And then you're going to have a glorified body. You're going to be as the angels in heaven. You're not going to procreate in heaven. Give God some praise. It's going to be so perfect and so glorious. That intimacy is going to be on such a high level. It's going to be a total satisfaction and fulfillment all the time. Not just one moment, but all the time. And if you get tired of the people who are around, you just think, I'd like to be over there on Saturn. Boom, you'll go over there. Or you'd like to go to another dimension. See, we're not even limited to space there. We're, we're not even limited to dimensions. You can go to another dimension. What are y'all getting? What are, y'all, are y'all here? Did I offend you? <laughs> So you're worried about your crystal clear walls. Everybody can look in there and see what you're doing. Oh, my. 
you know, y'all ever seen those, brother? I kind of wish you were still working where you used to work, you know. Uh, those, you know, bathroom redo things, you know. And I imagine they have those, those see-through uh, showers, you know. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. The men would love that, but I don't think the women would go for that. They don't like that see-through. So, you know, when you start talking about see-through walls, they start having a problem with that. Praise God. But I got good news for you. You don't have to worry about it up there. Hallelujah. <laughs> Let me let you in on something. My wife is showing me a magazine. Is she in here? Show me a magazine. She said, look at that pretty shower. You can see right through it. Look at the pretty walls behind it. I said, you wouldn't want it. You'd throw towels over it. Hallelujah. <laughs> Don't, don't tell her I told you that. Hallelujah. <laughs> <coughs> Hallelujah. But relationships up there are going to be so glorious and so wonderful. You, come on. Hallelujah. Not going to be limited to what we got down here. You know. You know, let me just share this with you. See, some people, they, they try to find a little bit of happiness and a little bit of utopia by drugs or by alcohol or by food. And then others try to find utopia or release a little bit of joy, a little bit of excitement through sex. But I got news for you, friend. It's not going to be needed up there. It's going to be one continual, exciting time of relationship. It's going to be so pure and holy and righteous. Give God some praise. Every moment of your life, every relationship that you come in contact with her is going to be perfect. Give God some praise. See, you know, and you know why I'm addressing these things? Because you got questions about them even though you never ask them. I know you think I'm dirty. I really don't care. Hallelujah. They asked Jesus the question. No, you're not going to be procreating in heaven. Okay, hallelujah. There you go. There you go. Praise God. Quit the church. I don't care. Hallelujah. See what I'm saying? Even that stuff. I wouldn't even have to deal with anything. No attitudes. Praise God. Hallelujah. You won't have to deal with my attitude. I sure won't have to deal with yours. Praise God. I, you know what? I know I'm not in heaven yet. I asked the people in the business meeting, I said, hey, man, you people think we're in heaven? <laughs> said, we paid off the church, but that don't mean we, we, we're in heaven yet. Hallelujah. We still got stuff we got to do down here, you know. <laughs> Some of y'all think we arrived when we paid off the church. No, man, we're not in heaven yet, man. <laughs> still got to work, labor, suffer. Oh, you know the story, right? But that's going to be a glorious event, isn't it, church? So, uh, you know, I'm excited about that. You know, if I want to go visit somebody, poof, hallelujah. If they want to come visit me, I'm not going to worry about when they show up, you know, unannounced. Come on. Hey, come on in. I can see them before they come, a million miles away. Here they come. Get ready. Brother Jonathan's on the way. Lock the doors. <laughs> it's going to be a glorious place. So he's talking about these relationships that are going to be there in heaven. Are y'all with me still? <laughs> I don't know. No. I'll tell you, man. Some of y'all checked out when I told you there wasn't going to be no sex up there. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. 
Because for you, that's the highest and best this, this earth has to offer. Praise God. Come on. Oh. I'm a fool for Christ's sake, man. You understand? See, do you hear what I'm trying to tell you? See, the reason why people are so focused on this earth and relationships in this earth because they think that's the utopia. They think that's the highest thing there is. And then they get that and they say, boy, I want a way out. Only Jesus will satisfy you. Only a knowledge that you've got an inheritance that's going to take you beyond this. Oh, glory to God. Mm. Okay. So if they start screaming, heaven, 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 you know what they're doing. They're praying. <laughs> oh, glory to God. I'm drunk. I'll say anything when I'm drunk, man. Oh, Jesus. <clears throat> Help me, God, today. They're going to stone me after church, God. <laughs> Verse 24, the Bible says, Not only the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. Going to get to see Jesus. Physically look at him. Physically see him with your eyes. Experience him with your senses. What a glorious event that's going to be. Before y'all got married, how many of y'all just couldn't wait? You were counting the days down before you got married. Would you? I would. You, I'll lift my hand. Whew, man. When my wife's getting ready to come down the aisle, I know I looked foolish. I just stood there and looked at her and just smiled, smiled, smiled. And after the fact, I thought, man, you must have looked like some kind of goofy, man. <laughs> you with me so far? I mean, I just couldn't wait to get married to that girl. Hallelujah. I'm still in love with her today. Praise God. You know what I'm talking about? Praise the Lord. And I couldn't wait. You know what? And I got so, whew, so excited about getting married to her. I was sort of praying sometimes, saying, God, would you wait just a little bit uh, to come? Let me get married first. Hallelujah. Come on. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And then after my honeymoon, come, Lord Jesus. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. You know what I'm talking about? Praise the Lord. I get a little personal here. You know, I was, when I got married, you know, I was a virgin when I got married. Praise the Lord. I know it don't happen very often around us today, but I was, so I couldn't wait. I was praying, God, please don't come to it. <laughs> Woo. Holy, oh, yeah, all you holy people out there. Come on, man. The Song of Solomon talks about this intimate relationship that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ. He, taught, he uses the Song of Solomon as a, as a picture of a relationship that a man and a wife have. And he uses very, very detailed and very graphic uh, ways to express this love relationship between a man and a wife. So I'm in the Word today. Give God some praise. And the Song of Solomon is so intimate in its expression that the Jewish people won't even let little children read it. They call it the Holy of Holies of the Bible because that is the place of intimacy with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what heaven's going to be like. It's going to be like the Song of Solomon in intimacy. That kind of intimacy with Jesus. 
It's the love letter of Jesus Christ to the church. And the relationship we're going to have with him, and it's, of course, you know, in a spiritual way. But it's going to be so awesome and so glorious. Praise the Lord God. You understand that? So we say, verse 24, and to Jesus, the of the new covenant. Man, I just wonder if I'm going to be able to see what Jesus did for me on the cross. I just wonder. I know the Bible says we're going to hear, when we see, we see him in type and shadow in the, in the book of Revelation, we see a, a lamb as though it had been slain. A little bitty lamb as though it had been slain. But John said, that's Jesus. Come on, seven eyes. You with me so far? You with me? Give God some praise. We're going to see him. And I wonder if I'm going to see what he did for me on the cross. I'm going to see. I wonder if he's going to let us see resurrection morning. I wonder if we're going to let. He go, I believe he will. Praise God. Maybe. You with me so far? Not quiet, did he? What he did, the price he paid, expressing his love so he could buy a bride. Purchase a bride for himself. That he might be intimate with him forever and ever and ever. Give God praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. So when you listen to me preach, you're listening to a man that's in love with his wife. Come on. But more in love with Jesus. Yes. Desiring an intimate relationship with him now because ultimately I will see him face to face. Give God praise. To Jesus, to me, the new covenant of the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. See that you refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not, who refused him that spake on earth much more, shall we not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven? Say, from heaven. heaven. Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifying the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receive in a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Do you have a desire to walk with God in this life so you'll be ready for that one? Are you going to be able to make a transition from this life into that one? That one is not just a continuation of this one. It is something that is on at such a higher, higher level than what you have right now. In every way, would you stand? Father, I thank you today for your glorious name and your glorious word. I give you praise and I give you worship right now. I thank you, Jesus. God, I'm homesick for heaven. I can't wait, God, to go there. I can't wait to get there, Father God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for this glorious promise and this inheritance, God, that you've laid out in your word for us, God. Beginning in the book of Genesis, God, the Bible says you created the heavens and the earth. And at the end of the book of Revelation, you said that you would make a new heavens and a new earth. And God, we're looking forward to that time when we move into that ultimate existence of eternal habitation with you, God, there. In a literal, physical, material place that can be experienced with the senses. With a literal Jesus sitting on a literal throne, having relationships with literal people, God. 
We give you thanks today for the light and the beauty and the glory that is there. Lord, that we'll be able to rest there. We'll be able to worship there. We'll be able to serve there. We'll be able to enter in joy there and the joy of relationships with one another, God. We thank you, Lord God, that you'll be there in Jesus Christ sitting on the throne. And Lord God, therefore, let us live this life as people who realize that this life is not all there is. And we give you praise, and we give you glory, and we give you honor in Jesus' name. Would you lift your hands right now, and would you just worship Him? Yes, we're going to a literal place, a physical place, a material place. Just as real as the tabernacle, the temple, the Old Testament. We thank you today, Father, for it. In Jesus' name, amen. The awesome thing right now is that you can taste a little bit of heaven right now. But it's not the ultimate. And I close in Ephesians 2 and verse 6. It says this. I read it to you. And hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly in Christ Jesus. Right now in the spirit, we're already there, but not bodily. The Bible says this, Ephesians 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly, where is heavenly located? In Christ. So right now, you got a spiritual heaven, you've got a literal material heaven, you've got a lower heaven, you've got a high heaven. And God says, that's where we are headed to that ultimate place. Would you lift your hands and just love the Lord today? Lord, we give you praise and we give you worship. We give you glory and we give you honor. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. <clears throat> mm. If you believe you're ready to go there, would you worship him and be filled with joy like you believe you're on your way? <clears throat> Hallelujah to the Lamb. Hallelujah to the Lamb. <clears throat> Hallelujah to the Lamb. Praise your mighty name, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There have been a few men that have seen that place. Stephen saw it. John the Revelator saw it. Paul saw it. Caught up the third heaven. Men, some men, Isaiah saw it. There have been some men who have seen that literal, material, physical place. Let's don't ever get to where we're not homesick for the literal heaven. Let's not get to a place where it's all about just right here. If we refuse to get to that place, we will be heavenly minded and earthly good. We'll do what the God has called us to do. And we'll be evangelistic and full of zeal and excitement about the Lord and about eternity. Not just for this world. Would you give God praise one more time? Lord, we lift you up and give you praise and adoration tonight. Today, Lord, we exalt you today in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Hallelujah to the Lamb. You are holy and you are righteous, God. Amen. That's...
That's it. That's all I've got for you. If that's all you've got to give to God, you're dismissed. I'll see you tonight. 5.30 prayer, 6 o'clock.